This is episode 80 of the Creative Giant Show. I'm Charlie Gilkey. Thanks so much for joining me today. Many modern men are caught in a strange space, for we can't and don't want to be like our fathers and grandfathers, but we also don't want to be some shade of Homer Simpson. And yet, there's not much space to talk about this in public either. Add in the fact that many of us, men and women alike, work in confined spaces indoors, and what you get is a view of a caged-in man, both literally and metaphorically. Jonathan Mead joins me today to jam about reclaiming wild men and how physical movement is tied to our uncaging. Note, we discuss the apparent heteronormativity of these views in this conversation, so if that's bugging you, listen in first. Ready? Let's do this. Welcome to the Creative Giant Show, where we go behind the scenes about what it means to live a life full of creative and professional success. Creative giants are talented, renaissance souls with a compassion-fueled bias towards action. Now, here is your host, Charlie Gilkey. If you're struggling to keep up with processing your email, SaneBox might be just the tool you need. It has saved me hours of time each month, and the amount of peace of mind I get from it is priceless. SaneBox sorts through your email and moves all of the trivial stuff into a different folder, so the only messages in your inbox are the ones you actually want to see. Aside from removing all of the junk so you can focus on the messages that matter, there's this great feature called the black hole. Move an email into that folder and you'll never hear from the sender again. One and done. Just how we like it. Because email can be such a bear and keep you from finishing the stuff that matters, we worked out a great deal for our listeners. Visit sanebox.com forward slash giant and they'll throw in an extra $25 credit on top of the two-week free trial. You don't have to enter the credit card information unless you decide to buy, so there's really nothing to lose. Again, that's S-A-N-E-B-O-X dot com forward slash giant. Before I introduce you to Jonathan, I wanted to throw a quick shout out to Lee, Nadia, and Rob. Thanks for the emails and ratings about the show, y'all. Jonathan Mead and I go way back. He's an irreverent pioneer, champion for human wildness, and professional instigator. He quit his job at age 23 after moonlighting on his own terms. Now in his early 30s and a full-time renegade, he's passionate about helping men reawaken the giants sleeping within them. He's found that by helping men reconnect with nature, they discover their own true nature and wild masculine strength. He believes that you can take the man out of nature, but you can't take nature out of the man. And that no matter how many TPS reports we're fed and fluorescent lighting we absorb, The wilderness is always just underneath the surface. He believes that unwavering brotherhood, undeniable bravery, and unapologetic wildness can not only change the world, but heal the world as well. His deepest mission is to instigate a worldwide movement of wild brotherhood, focusing on helping men uncage one at a time. So, Jonathan, I appreciate you coming in from the wild and hanging out on um, the Creative Giant show. You know, we've we've done a lot of things in the past together, and I'm really excited about what you're building at the Uncaged Man. Thanks, man. Yeah, the the wolves have allowed me to have some time away from the pack, uh, but I think that they're they are waiting for me to return, so I have to get back soon. Um, but yeah, happy to be here. Well, they allowed that because I fed them. See, it's all strategy, you know. Exactly. As long as long as they have enough meat, then you know they'll they'll pretty much do whatever you want. So it's good. Okay. So a lot of people know about you through first the Illuminated Mind that you started way back in the day. Um, you know we've been jamming together for quite a while, and then that converted into Paid to Exist, 
um, which is, it's a lot of things, but that's, that's a brand that you developed there. And now you've morphed into the uncaged man. And so, you know, a really interesting point is like, how did you end up here from paid to exist in an eliminated mind? So just tell us a little bit about that journey. Yeah, it's, it's been quite the journey and, you know, kind of looking back at the dots do seem to connect, but back then, you know, I was, I started this because I realized like I had something to give and I was very passionate about personal development and I had found that there's a lot of people talking about personal development, but more in a general sort of like vanilla corporate-y sort of way, um, you know, the like Brian Tracy's and Tony Robbins of the world, which are awesome, you know, but there's, I found like there was this big crowd of people that were maybe a little bit more alternative or a little more uh, unconventional off the beaten path. And I felt like I could have something to say that, that might resonate with that tribe. So that's kind of how I started. And I started that originally for that reason. And because I just, I wanted to get out of working for someone else. I, I wanted to, uh, you know, be able to do my own thing on my own terms. So that's how Illuminated Mind started. And, and through building Illuminated Mind, I started to realize more and more, you know, so many other people feel trapped. So many other people want to uncover what they're really passionate about. And that led me to rebranding to paid to exist and, you know, helping people create their own unique offerings. Like they're, creating their own niche is what I, what I, uh, often tell people. And I did that for about, um, seven years and it was awesome. But at a, a certain point around like year four or five, I just felt that I'm being called to something else. Like I'm being called to something new and my purpose is changing and shifting. And that was, that was hard because the, I felt that. And yet I was surrounded by this business that I built for the last five years. And, you know, there's attachment to that. There's, you know, a sense of comfort to, you know, continuing along the thing that you've always done. And there's also the inertia, right. Of like, you show up and you're, you're used to doing your thing. So, um, that experiencing all of those things was definitely uncomfortable, but I also knew like I couldn't keep doing this forever. So I started digging, you know, I started looking for the threads. I really started doing what I had been telling people to do with paid to exist, which is like, you know, what is that unique combination of your, your passions and what you uniquely can bring to the world. And I tried a lot of different stuff. I had some things that were kind of aligned, um, kind of on message and, but just felt off, um, in some ways and through a lot of iteration and, and just a lot of, yeah, that discovery process, I eventually realized like, yeah, what I'm passionate about is helping men uncage and, and reclaim their innate wildness. Right. Um, to become the greatest versions of themselves. And we can talk a little bit more about like what that means and everything, but that's kind of 
that's kind of how I'm here right now talking to you. Yeah. Well, it's interesting that you, that you slid in a reclaim there because I was thinking about your journey that there's yeah. a point where reclaim your dreams, which was your first product and right. mine sort of opened the door for paid to exist. Mm. Right. Um, and then, I mean, cause it's an obvious question. Like you, you reclaim your dreams and like so many people realize that their dream was not necessarily working for, um, you know, working for other people. Now to be, to be clear here, and I always have to say this entrepreneurship and business owning isn't for everything. It's not like if, you know, you're not an entrepreneur, you're somehow less than there's just a lot of um, creative and wild and sort of um, soulful spiritual people that just don't fit that mold. Right. Right. So obviously you reclaim your dreams and you're like, wait a second, this is not my, Mm -hmm. what do I do now? Right. This sort of emerges from that. And, mm-hmm. you know, therefore, what has it been like the last two years as you've been scratching around on KGN yep. where it's like, a little you know, you, too. yeah, yeah, where it's like, again, you having to do the deep work to reclaim Jonathan's own dreams, you know? Right. Yeah. It's, and yeah, it is, like, is, is that like reclaiming? And I love that word just because I found so much that personal growth is, very has very little to do with building or becoming it's often kind of shedding those layers of all the the bullshit and all the you know things that we thought that we should do or that we have to do or we need to prove something and or we need to go out and like i need to go find my passion usually it's not like that usually it's you know you need to reclaim or reunite with or sometimes even like rescue right your passion from uh, all the all the BS that you you've been told. Yeah. So one of the interesting challenges that you've had in the morph from paid to exist to the uncaged men is creating a brand that's exclusively for men. Yeah. Um, tell us a little bit about that journey. Yeah i I knew at some point that this was for men and that I needed to help men with this and that that's what I really wanted to do. But I made it more general and just kind of for everyone because of the own fears that I had around that, um, that, and you, you know, you and I have talked about this. Um, but yeah, this fear that somehow if it's for men, then I'm going to get attacked by women or that it's going to be seen as some sort of like, exclusive space that is contributing to some kind of like male female power dynamic or, or something like that. And I don't know, I, I was trying to reconcile that. And I, I realized through talking to a lot of men and, and women that, yeah, it's okay for men to have their own space. And it's, and actually even underneath that was like this, I realized that I had been taught, in some ways by our culture that it's not even okay to be a man like, and it's not okay to be manly um, because I don't know, that's dangerous or it's, it's contributing to inequality or, or, you know, something like that. And, you know, you see there's so many shows out there that are so popular that totally just, um, I don't know, are dogging on men. There's like the dumb dad, right? Like Homer Simpson, is the perfect example. Like, and we kind of celebrate that and make fun of it, but it's actually, it's funny, but it's kind of sad too. Um, so I think I had been taught a lot of that stuff through culture too, that, 
it's not okay to be a, a man and it's not okay to really own that and celebrate that. And I had to get over that. Well, I think there are several things going on here. So there's two tracks like the, um, um, let's, let's put it this way. The lack of clarity around, um, what it means to be a man in masculinity or, and we'll have to be careful there because, you know, along any spectrum, we can't say like, this is what masculinity means. This is what it means to be a man. There are different versions. Right. Um, and so that's, that's one way of going about it. But I think, you know, and I've thought about this a lot as, um, Sometimes, you know, especially with what Angela does and sometimes some of the female entrepreneur groups, even though we're all friends, they'll host, they'll host an event like at my house, right? And mm-hmm. I'm not invited at, because I'm a man, right? Right. Right. And I'm like, this is, you know, I understand the context, but imagine the conversation would be around if we were going to have an all male entrepreneur group and exclude women, like right. there's a cultural context in which that sort of professional training or technical training, it's not okay to exclude. Right. Right. But when it comes to, um, you know, personal trainings or personal development and things like that, it is okay to acknowledge that, wait a second, the way that one might want to show up in the world as a man is different than the way that, that women, and there might not be all the time. There might not, not always need to be like, we're all at the same table talking about what it is. You know, and the other thing about it is to just slide it out is, I think one of the reactions, cultural reactions that a lot of times we don't, we don't pay much attention to is other, the, the different waves of feminism that happen and how some of the waves got progress by diminishing men. Right. Whereas yeah. others got progress by elevating men. But so we have sort of this broader right. conversation there around, um, well, let me do it this way. Um, you and I have talked about this. And I've talked about this with a lot of a lot of men our age. So we're in the 30s to mid 30s somethings, right? Mm-hmm. And on one hand, we recognize that we can't show up in the way the world, our grandfather, the way our grandfathers or fathers did, right? Right. Um, and yet, we the models of masculinity that that we've seen through the media and things like that also are very diminished and don't resonate with us at the same time. Right. Mm-hmm. And so we're kind of in this thing, like we can't be our dads. We can't be our grandfathers. We right. don't want to be Homer Simpson. We don't want to be like some of the right. things you see on TV. And we're in this weird space around where are, where are we as, as the modern man right now? Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think you put it really well. It's, it's like, um, we, you know, we have acknowledged that, um, and, and rightly so that women were very oppressed through patriarchal culture and still are, um, it's changing, but they still, women still are. Um, and, but on the flip side of that, men were oppressed by that as well through having to fulfill a certain sort of role or expectation about what it means to be a man. Um, particularly in the realm of like emotion. Um, and you know, But at least during, you know, before that, men could at least be something, right? And after that, kind of men just got kind of left in the dust. And it's like, well, it became a little bit more okay to be express your feminine side. But now it's like, it's it's this weird space where it's like, it's okay to express your feminine side, but not too much. 
because that might threaten what it means to be a man. And it's also not really seen as okay to be super manly either, unless it's in like certain contexts where it's, it's agreed upon that that's okay. It's, it's a weird space that we occupy as, as men. And, um, you know, that's, that that has definitely been one of the reasons what, you know, why I've been influenced more to embrace this work and to want to do this work because I see that and I, I feel for that. And, you know, I think that um, men really need a space to figure out together how, how to be men in this time. Yeah. I mean, there are plenty of comedy skits around, um, you know, it's a basic theme. And I think it shows kind of where we are with this is that, you know, like, oh, you know, don't be violent. Like, don't be aggressive. Don't and until you're right. in an occasion in which like there's there like a man needs to protect a woman or something like that because of this, the, this situation. Then all of a sudden, when you're not aggressive and, you know, you're not ready to fight, then it's like, what kind of man are you? Right. And right. it's like, yeah, wait yeah, a yeah. This whole time. Right. <laughs> Um, I've, you've, you know, we've, we've not talked about violence. We've not talked about aggression. We've not talked about that until this type of thing. And, you know, there's right. Right. And so that's the problem. I think that's the tensions that we're having where there's, there's, um, mixed messages throughout the media, throughout, you know, different, different people's wants and needs about how to show up. Um, Mm. and that there's this broader spectrum of, um, different ways in which you might be called as a person. I, I'm not going to say necessarily as a man, but as a person um, to do different things that don't fit um, where we're currently going, you know? And, and I think you and I have talked about this and, you know, you and I are both going to get into a lot of air quote trouble, right. Around some of the conversations right. here, because um, certain things about it are like, you know, the way in which we parented boys to not be mad, not be frustrated. Like, you know, don't be mad. Like, don't be frustrated and things like that. And it's like, if you're in a certain age, you know, 11 through like mm-hmm. 18, all mm-hmm. of the hormones in your body are around frustration, not all, but a lot of them are around frustration, anger, things like that. Yeah. And, aggression. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. And a lot of it is if you try to tamp that down and push it down and say, don't be mad, don't be frustrated as opposed to like channeling that. Okay. Like you're mad. Mm-hmm. That's so what, like go punch something like not punch right. somebody but um, maybe work out at the gym, maybe do these other types of things that actually help um, channel some of those, some of those energies and, and allow you to actually be thriving actually thrive in the world. So I I went on a longer rant there, but I just wanted to show that not rant a longer um, sort of intro there, but I wanted to show that these are the types of tensions that you end up in is sort of where we are, where it's like, we're not given the space to actually learn the process what we need to in the way that fits who we are. And so we're stifled, you know? Right. Yeah. It's, it's a, yeah, it's, it's a weird space. And, and you know, that the expression of those energies is so vital, you know, so many men that I meet, I know that they have a lot of trapped anger and aggression in their bodies and, and within them. And a lot of times they don't even know it. They don't even realize how much they're holding back because you know, where, where can you do that nowadays? Maybe in the gym. Yeah. Maybe chopping wood or something. I mean, um, maybe in a martial arts class. Um, but you certainly can't do that. Like in your house, you certainly can't do that walking down the street. Um, you, you know, so, uh, yeah, I, I feel like, that is one of the biggest 
things that I see is that men need to be physical and men need to have an outlet for expressing that aggression and those more, um, yeah, I guess sharper energies that don't seem to be, have a place to fit in within society. So let's talk about the relationship between, um, nature and this sort of, um, I think in the past you've said over domestication, right. Or the domestication of people, but especially as it relates to men specifically. So, hmm, yeah, nature, nature is the original vehicle for learning how to be a man, right? We learned through being around other men in a tribe and through challenge and ritual and rites of passage that were based on, you know, experience in nature. So I, I imagine, you know, in a, in a tribal hunter gatherer setting, there wasn't even a, like people weren't having conversations about how do you be a man or what does it mean to be a man? Because it was just, it just happened, you know, like people knew and people understand there was a transition period from, you know, adolescence into manhood, but we weren't having these existential conversations about it because it was this natural process. And what, what's happened with domestication is, um, we've lost a lot of that and we've, we've, you know, progressed in so many ways, but we've also lost touch with our heritage and the, you know, the way we've been shaped by nature and um, our biology has been shaped by that for so long. And most of us don't even realize how much we're starving for that connection until we actually get out into the wild until we actually do start moving our bodies and, and exploring these, these practices. Um, But yeah. And then, then we see like, Oh, there's so much more richness to life. There's so much more, um, out there. So I don't know. Yeah. There's a lot to unpack. So I feel like we could go, yeah, we could go and we could go in a lot of different directions with this. Yeah. I mean, well, obviously every conversation we have can go in a lot of different directions. Um, True. So, you know, what really comes up for me is we've got to talk about how, hmm, what space do we have to talk about um, what it means to be a man and so on and so forth without getting into um, just pure heteronormativity, right? In the sense that there, there are women and there are men and that's what it is, right? We recognize that gender is on a spectrum. Right. Yeah, the language that we're using at the same time seems very, very heteronormative. Right. You know? Um, and so, you know, how are... What's your take on that? Because I, I recognize that there are going to be enough people, and I'll put it as a blurb, right? I recognize enough people are going to be like, oh, like this is a really hetero dude like conversation. Um, and that, that will be a turnoff for them at the same time, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, so, yes, uh, gender is a spectrum. Math, we all have masculine and feminine energies within all of us. And I, it's my experience that um people fall on that masculine feminine spectrum it's not a binary right we we see it as a binary because it's easier to look at life through binaries it's easier to look at life through black and white it's hard or soft or or dark or light or whatever so it just helps us kind of look at the world in a in a way that 
allows us to communicate, right? But the reality is everyone is on this spectrum of masculine and feminine energy. And some people are more masculine, some people are more feminine, and that doesn't necessarily match up to the, um, the genitals that you have. Uh, so that is a big sort of um, preface to me saying that I, though, as a, as a cis, uh, you know, hetero male, I am going to speak from that perspective because that's the perspective that I know. That's the perspective that I have. And for me to, uh, I, I should be sensitive to other perspectives, but I can't act as if I can relate to those perspectives that I haven't personally experienced. So there's always going to be, whether we like it or not, I think there's always going to be some amount of exclusivity, but that shouldn't be a sort of um, excuse for being insensitive. That's kind of my take on it. And, and with that said, I think that men and women generally do have, you know, needs that are specific to men and women. And when it comes to expressing our, our innate masculinity, like I think men often need to get more aggressive. They need to get more physical. They need to express themselves through action, not just through talking um, to each other. And that's been something that's been very suppressed through domestication and through civilization is we've lost touch with a lot of those ways that men express themselves through physicality. I think it's both. We lost touch, but on, in another way, it's, we've lost the ability to even talk about it, right. Without it being, um, con- thing. Yeah, yeah. without it being a thing, right. Without it being like a having, and I'm not, so, you know, I, I love what you're saying about being sensitive to other like perspectives. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I took it being sensitive to other perspectives without allowing those other perspectives to diminish your own and what's true for you. Right. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, that's that tension that we're going through is like, you know, um, what do you do when you feel a certain way that doesn't fit the, you know, is, is a basic general question around normativity in general, whether it's hetero, whether it's whatever that is. Right. Um, and, it's kind of like what reminds me, Jonathan, I think, I think you and I have talked about it, but for instance, in say um, academia, especially, well, I'll say um, in some philosophy departments across the United States and across the world, like you cannot even really talk about religion or spirituality anymore. Hmm. Right? It's off the table as far as discussion goes because of the sort of worldview um, that that's proposed there. So like you take this huge slice of what we know to be the human existence and you now no longer can talk about it. That's a problem, you know? Yeah. Um, cause it's acting like part of us doesn't exist. It's acting like part of us doesn't exist. Um, and by, I don't know, it's, it's a very sort of weird thing in that in trying to be free thinking, we actually shut more thinkers down because they're not free thinking like we are. Right. Um, and that, that's a legitimate problem, right? Um, so anyways, that, that's sort of a critique, but that's, that's really the challenge where we are because again, on the one hand, we, we know that, um, some, well, we'll look at kids more, right? Some kids tend to act certain ways more than other kids act certain ways. Right. And, Mm -hmm. um, 
what we have to look at is what do we do? You know, uh, here's sort of my perspective right now. Like as a man coming from a certain perspective, like what do I do to make room for certain types of expression that are on the whole, like healthy for boys and girls and people of all, you know, people to express. And at the same time, how do we look as um, from the same lens and say that particular behavior is destructive right? Or not conducive, right? Especially because we've been using the word aggression. And I know because of our conversations and and the many hikes that we've had, we mean um, probably something closer to assertiveness, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Would be Mm -hmm. actually, so not like that going out and picking a fight, but, you know, really pushing up against an edge and boundary and things like that. So we probably mean assertiveness more than we mean aggression. At the same time, there's a time and place for aggression, you know? Sure. Yeah. Even even Jesus was was aggressive, you know, in, in the temple. When he, oh Lord, when you he, brought Jesus in. Oof. When he when he shut shut everyone down. Oh wait, is this is is this an academic conversation? I'm sorry. I mean, uh, throwing throwing the tables is an is an aggression is an aggressive act, right? It's a yeah. defiant aggressive act in a lot of ways, right? Um, and, yeah. Um, and according to the story, Rome did not appreciate that very much either, mm. right? Because they recognized what it was, you know. Sure. Yeah. Um, at the same time, uh, aggression when connected to love is one of the most loving things that you can do. Um, and to, to remain passive in that situation or in, in a situation where aggressive love is called for is, is a disservice to yourself and whoever else is involved. So there's absolutely a place for controlled, loving aggression. Um, Give us some examples just so, I mean, we've been talking very, um, very abstractly here, but give us some examples of say aggressive loving. I mean, say, say your toddler goes into, uh, you know, the cabinet and pulls out a bottle of cleaner or something and drinks it and you grab the toddler and, you know, take it away from them. And you're like, don't do that. Why are you doing that? That might scare the child, right? That might, seem to some people too aggressive, but it's a, it's aggression that came out of love because I don't want you to be hurt. And I need you to understand through the seriousness of my voice, that quote unquote aggressiveness, that that's not okay. And there's a reason that happens because when, when we have a memory of an event that that was that you know, poignant, it gets imprinted into our, into our memory, into our nervous system uh, at a much higher level than if the, you know, parent came over and said, oh, honey, you know, you might want not want to be drinking that Clorox. Um, so there's, there's absolutely uh, places for this. Another example might be, you know, when you need to create a strong boundary uh, or, or when you need to tell a friend, like, because you love them, Hey, you keep saying that you want to do this. And I, I have to be honest with you. It doesn't seem like you really do. And because I love you, I'm willing to confront you about this. I'm willing to challenge you 
um, in regards to this. And I've tried to, you know, give you the benefit of the doubt over and over and over and be really just loving and supportive. But at a certain point, if you just keep acting that way, you're actually hurting them by withholding that loving aggressiveness uh, or that loving um, assertiveness. So, yeah, it, there's absolutely a place for it. And I, I think um, if we didn't have that, that would be a, a really dangerous world to live in. I mean, we we have mindshare here because you know I'm neo Italian. I see all sort of virtues like on a on a on a spectrum where you get the doctrine of the meaning. So like bravery is in between cowardice and rashness, right? Where we need that right amount of courage to, to live in a world. And without that, like we recognize people who are cowardly, right? And they're deficient in bravery. And we recognize people who are just, they're just so focused on things that aren't really bravery. Just like, you know, the double dog dare, I'll jump off a three-story roof. If you, if, you know, if someone dares me to, I'm like, that's not courage. That's not bravery. That's that we're talking fundamentally. You're, you're being kind of dumb. Yeah. You're being kind of dumb. Right. And very so, dumb. <laughs> I, I, I think that's where this is coming from is there are certain types of behaviors, assertiveness, aggressive things like that that lie on a mean somewhere. Right. And if you tamp down the full, if you tamp down the expression of that thing, it has a cost to individual flourishing, but I think also collect, excuse me, individual flourishing, but also collective flourishing as well. Cause we don't mm -hmm. have, you know, people who do certain jobs in our society and regardless right. of whether we want to talk about, you know, um, warriorship, especially in professional warriorship or police and things like that, right? Um, we recognize at a certain point that we need those people and those roles within our society. Absolutely. And, you know, to bring this back to the whole wildness piece, when we don't have a container for that, when we, we aren't supportive of that aggression, particularly, you know, you see this with kids like, Oh, don't, don't hit each other. Don't fight. Don't touch each other. Um, that is shutting down a child's natural inclination to play fight, to learn how to control aggression. Because in that context, you learn when you hit someone too hard, you learn when something was not okay. You learn a lot about, um, you know, playful combat and you learn how <laughs> you learn how to control that and you take that away. And when a real fight comes up, maybe you don't know how to control your aggression or maybe because you've never been exposed to that at all, your nervous system just completely shuts down and you, you don't know how to do anything. So there's, there's costs to it that we don't often see just because, you know, we, we want to make everything safe. We want to make everything really, really nice and, and uh, very palatable. Yeah. I got a black eye when I was like nine mm -hmm. that forevermore taught me the consequence of like picking on people bigger than I was. Um, and I'm not saying there are all sorts of other ways that that, that, that conflict could have been resolved. Um, but you know, as I got bigger, I realized what that black eye felt like mm -hmm. and I neither wanted to give one nor receive one. Right. Um, but I don't know, like, and, and there are certain ways where it's like, this might, especially during those teenage years, it's like, this might lead to a black eye situation. Nobody wants that to happen. I don't want to be on the giving or the receiving end. So let's right. not go that like there's an edge. 
there's right. a minute before things go that way. And I remember that particular black eye at that particular yeah. location. Like that taught you something. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying we should go around giving each other black eyes, but you know, um, it, it, it's a, pl- it's a part of the human, um, experience, right. That, that teaches different boundaries. It reminds me of, um, mm, I forget the, I forget which president. Um, let's see. Uh, I think it's a Roosevelt, but upon the friends of friendly com- upon the fields of friendly combat are sown the seeds that, um, one day in further fields, will lead to resilience and courage in battle or something like that. Right. Mm-hmm. Like kind of the first, half, right. right? Um, and I'll find the quote and go it. And the only reason I know that just random sidebar is because we had to memorize that when I was at the United States military Academy. And it was just one of those where it's like upon the field of friendly, blah, blah, blah. Um, right. um, but the, the point there, believe it was Roosevelt could be wrong. The point there is that upon these play experiments, upon these play fields is where we learn how to be successful in life. Yeah. You know, that's, and that's how all animals and we are animals. We are, so we, we are human animals. We wear clothes to try to pretend that we're, we're not animals. Um, but all animals play fight to learn how to not only, uh, coordinate their bodies, right. But to learn how to potentially fight for real. So, maybe there's some benefit to that. Maybe there's some benefit to these things. And, you know, it's funny because we look back at these, we're starting to look back more and more at at these things, um, you know, in an ancestral way, like how did we grow? How did we grow to be who we are now? And like, what is the model for thriving as humans? We're, We're seeing that a ton, obviously with like the paleo diet. Mm-hmm. Like so many people for so long have been confused about like, what do we eat? Do we, do we eat broccoli and asparagus all the time? Or is it chicken and butter? Like what, what are, what are the things? And, this, and somewhere along the way we were like, Oh, maybe we should just look at like, what, what did we eat for 200,000 years? Um, we're starting to do that with natural movement too. And, and I think, you know, it's, it's going to expand and it's, it's hopefully it's going to expand into this masculinity thing as well. That's what I'm trying to help have happen. Um, and it's like, how do we integrate that into our modern lives? Because we can't go back, mm-hmm. but we can take some of these lessons and we can integrate them into our world now as best as we can. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just kind of funny though, because we're doing it in this way where it's like, we're kind of, we're using science to like prove that these things are, are good for us. Like science has now discovered that uh, blueberries are really good for you or or something like that. It's like, okay, well that's kind of common sense, but thank you science. And it's like now science has proved that squatting is really good for you. So it's okay to squat and you will look like a a primate, um, but it's okay because science has approved it. So it's like, yeah, it's this weird thing. We, it's like okay to be animals in a way that science is uh, kind of deemed is, is, uh, is acceptable. Yeah. I'm going to hold that because I have a follow-up question, but the quote thing was bugging me. So it's actually a MacArthur, right? So it goes upon the field, uh, upon the fields of friendly strife are sown the seeds that upon other days um, will bear the fruit, excuse me, that upon other fields on other days will bear the fruits of victory. Mm, yeah 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 
Um, so anyways, um, that one was going to bug me. I was like, oh man, um, what's you, had to, like, you had to get that out. I had, I had to get it out there, man. Cause it's such a good one. You, you uh, kind of leave it. People, you know, giving you crap later. Yeah. Well, um, there, there's a lot of that, that I'm, that I imagine is, is going to come up. Um, but I, I at least did not want to misattribute a quote, you know? Um, yeah. so part of what you're doing with your work at Uncaged Men is actually helping people with movement and not just like going to the gym and you know, right. hitting stuff, but actually, um, parkour and, um, natural movement, you know, other body weight movements. Um, yes. what's the focus of that? I mean, why? Yeah. So, I mean, so helping men uncage, I see it as, you know, there's four main areas. There's mind, body, heart, and spirit, right? Um, But what is the fastest way to uncage? What is the fastest way to like reclaim your wildness as a man? It's through the body, right? If you change the body, you're going to affect all the other areas of life. Kind of like, it's like a keystone thing. So, Starting with natural movement, you're going to feel better. You're going to have more energy. You're also going to connect with nature in the process. You're going to feel more confident. Um, you know, you're going to feel sexier, like, right. You're going to, you, you get the aesthetic benefits, um, without necessarily trying to get them. So that's pretty cool. Um, so that's why I like going through the body first. That's why I think the movement piece is so important um, because we're all, we're all trying to stay fit anyway, right? We're all doing the best we can. So why not, if you're going to do a workout or fitness stuff, why not make it in the way you evolved to like, that would seem to make sense to me. Well, yes. And, um, I imagine that one of the one of the obstacles that people will have with that is so um, how, hmm, how how do I set this up? Um, I think what I've experienced from your work, having been a recipient, is there's this unfamiliarity with how to make your way in the natural world, like. You know, right. how do you run up a tree? How do you jump over a tree? How do you, you make right. your way through these different types of things that um, will present a challenge for people, right? If they were considering that. So if you could, like, what are some different things they could think about that would make um, natural movements um, at least more accessible for a few people? Absolutely. So first of all, I want to say, you know, because I think the biggest barrier for most people is time, Right. We all are busy. We all, you know, are trying to figure out how to do the things that we want to do with all the competing desires in our lives and all the things that we have going on. So I'm a big fan of integration and as much as possible, how can we not just create a new box? Like I need to have a natural movement box, but it's okay if you want to have a workout. That's, I think that's awesome. And that's, that's great. But as much as possible, how can you integrate this stuff so it becomes the fabric of your life? And the way we do that is by uh, taking back control of our environment, our habitat, right? Your house is your habitat. And I think once you start seeing it that way, because it's just a shift in perspective, but when you start seeing your house as your habitat, you can start looking at like, oh, how is my house, my habitat supporting me in moving like a human, 
So a couple of simple practices that you can start with are squatting and hanging, right? So squatting is the natural human resting position. It's also a, a transition uh, transitional position, right? The deep, so I'm talking about like the deep flat footed squat where most people would be at the bottom of like a body weight squat or barbell squat or something like that. Um, it's a transition into other movements as well. So you would use this when you're, you know, you could use this when you're like chatting with a toddler or you're playing with your dog or, um, or just crawling on the ground, you know? Um, so squatting, I recommend starting with like 10 minutes a day and just integrating it into the flow of your normal life. If you're going to watch TV, you're watch, you know, you're sitting anyway, try doing it in a squat for a couple of minutes. Um, and then second is hanging, right? Our shoulders are meant to uh, be completely overhead. And we actually still have the types of shoulder joints as primates to be able to, uh, you know, climb trees and brachiate and stuff like that. So uh, you're not going to hang though, if you don't have a place to hang in your house. So you can get a $20 pull-up bar uh, for your doorway mounted in there. Um, if you're, if you're want to get even, uh, you know, a little bit more advanced, you can get a squat rack, put it in your garage, or I have one in my office because I'm a total weirdo. And you know, once you go through the doorway, just hang for 15, 20 seconds, like start taking back control of your environment to build these habits back in. Um, and of course you can do natural movement workouts as well, but the more you get comfortable with these movements throughout the day and they're just, you're greasing the groove, uh, the more you will be comfortable when you, you know, approach a tree and you're like, oh, I've already been hanging and, and doing a few pull-ups. You know, let me try to see what's possible when I encounter something like a tree. All righty. So, um, wrapping up here, um, yes. what are some next steps that you would like people to take? Like, so, there's two separate perspectives. There's... Um, there are men who are resonating with what we're talking about that like know that they, that there are some additional levels of work that they want to do or that they feel like that aren't being cultivated. And then there might be um, women who are other people who recognize that other men in their life, you know, are needing that as well. So both perspectives. So let's start with the sort of you're resonating with this. You want to take it mm -hmm. from if you are resonating with this, you know, I have a, a lot of free resources and materials you can check out on uncaged man. Um, I would, I would make, I would make a practice of every morning, like getting your feet, like just a minimum, getting your feet on the ground and getting into a squat. Um, so that I like to, you know, stack habits in my life and it just makes it easier for me. So I have this habit of squatting and just doing a little bit of joint warm up work when I take my dog out every morning. So I have to take her out anyway. I might as well do it barefoot. I might as well get the benefits of, um, you know, being outside while I'm moving around a little bit. So that is one of the kind of foundational practices that I recommend. Um, I also really like integrating like 
time spent with friends or work partners and time outside. So if you have like, say a mastermind, why not? And it's digital. Why not do it in a park? You know, or if you have a local mastermind, why not do it while you're hiking? You're going to, you're going to be, you know, talking anyway, you might as well be moving rather than sitting in a, in a chairs where your bodies are stagnant. And of course your mind is stagnant. You're going to be more creative while you're moving. So I like these, these, this approach of integration and, and stacking these habits together. Um, and you can doing it this way. You can trick yourself into thinking like, I need to get outside cause it's productive or, you know, whatever, whatever ways, you know, it's kind of messed up in our, in our, you know, economy that we have to trick ourselves sometimes, but Hey, I don't care how it happens, like whatever you have to do to make it work, you know? Um, so start with that, check out the site. There's a bunch of tutorials where you can go more in depth into a lot of these things that I'm talking about here. Um, but those would be two main practices I would start with. Um, and of course the squatting and hanging and for the females listening to this, I would, I would, you know, just encourage, you know, if you have a man in your life that, you know, needs this, that needs to get outside more, that needs to connect with his body, connect with other men, just encourage him. Um, be supportive and, you know, maybe even, you know, playfully ask him, like, what do you really want in your life? You know, I think that's one of the most valuable questions we can ask another person is just like, what do you want? You know, what's, what do you feel like is missing for you? And for me, I felt like that wildness was what, what was missing. Um, that was the missing link for me. So I would, I would, I would, uh, be surprised if, yeah, there wasn't a man in your life that could benefit from more wildness. All right, Jonathan, I'm going to turn it over to you to issue the challenge of the episode. So this is just something that you would like people to do, um, you know, between now and the next week um, to, um, yeah, I'll just leave it at that. My challenge to you is to get outside and squat for one minute. Um, bring your device or whatever, uh, stopwatch, set a timer, and I also encourage you to do it barefoot because um, you'll get more benefits from uh, taking your shoes off as well. The ground isn't going to hurt you. Uh, and yeah, I, I would just, I would suggest doing that. And yeah, if you like it, if you think it's, it feels good, maybe try doing a 30 day challenge of going outside and squatting every day. If you want to take it to the next level. Jonathan, thanks so much for um, joining. I know the wolves are out there. I hear them howling. And so you got to go. All right. Thanks, man. Alrighty, Creative Giant. So you heard it from Jonathan. Um, we got a squat challenge going on. Now, what we didn't talk about in this show, um, and we, we talked about a lot of other things, but just remember that as a creative person, your head is more, excuse me, your body is more than a head transportation vehicle. Right. And so getting out and squatting, if you have to trick yourself by reminding yourself that just going to make you more productive and happy and um, creative, then do so. But just remember, like, you got to move. Um, it's your, your body is just way more than a head transportation vehicle. So get outside, squat, take those shoes off. And until next time, stand tall. Thanks for listening to the Creative Giant Show. 
to find more tools and inspiration for creative giants, head on over to ProductiveFlourishing.com. Stand tall, creative giant.